welcome back. This is the Coaches Rising podcast. Today I'm going to be talking with Hans Phillips. It was a lovely conversation we just had. Hans has been coaching for, I think he said 35 years. So he's got a lot of experience. We're going to talk about seeing the thing and saying the thing. I think that's a particularly powerful distinction, uh, how a lot of coaches are often afraid to say what they're seeing with their clients. We'll talk about with Hans about what happens when that's happening for him. How does he sense these things that need to be said? And we'll talk about visioning. How does Hans help his clients clarify the vision that's authentic, that's not dependent upon their childhood patterning, but actually that's authentic? And then how does he work with them to achieve that vision? I found that part of our conversation very illuminating. And we're going to talk also about the necessity for us to be doing the deep work and the deep practice so that we are building our own power, personal power and a strength of being so that when we sit in front of our clients, we embody that and we're not just advocating for them to get out of their comfort zone, to take risks, to follow their vision, but that we're actually impeccably doing that ourselves, not perfectly, but with integrity. So we talk about a lot of stuff. Uh, Hans Phillips, as I said, has been coaching for a long, long time. He's an ontological and phenomenological coach and works with high performance clients. So clients who've had a track record of success and he helps them to, I guess, access a new level or way of being successful. And he's also trained coaches as well. And what I want to say to end is if you feel like sharing this podcast, I'd be very grateful. If you're not on our mailing list and you want to sign up, you can head to coachesrising.com. Just put your name in the sign up box there. And that's it. Let's dive in. Here's the podcast with Hans Phillips. So Hans, it's good to be with you. I'm I'm smiling and laughing already. That's a, a good sign. How are you doing today? I'm good. Uh, challenges, but... Um... Uh, excited about the future and feel like things are opening up at the same time at the same time that they're closing down i'm in los angeles and so it's all masks on again so it's odd times yeah i i know how you feel with that it's like we we came into summer thinking okay it's all done now you know like freedom and then uh another wave is hitting here and it's yeah it's certainly uncertain times and uh, I'm curious, actually, that makes me think about, you know, do you get a sense for you, the call for both coaches and the leaders you work with in these times? I know you're a, you're a coach. We're going to talk about that today. But do, do you get a sense of like what it's calling from us as coaches and the leaders you work with? I think so. Um, and there's so much uncertainty that it's really normal to be conservative and just float along. But I think it's up to us as coaches and as leaders to propose a future, um, declare a future, encourage people to more move towards a future, even though we don't, we're not certain of it ourselves. Um, risk, risk getting it wrong, risk getting uh, egg on your face, looking foolish. But I think it just makes such a big difference when our confidence, our motivation can inspire others, because I don't know about you, but I headed in the other direction over the last 12 months just because of the stress and pressure and uh you know the circumstances i i got i got depressed literally and uh mm-hmm. 
I was able to, uh, with some help, uh, get out of it. But this is a very unusual time, and all of my knowledge uh, didn't didn't make a difference. Like I got depressed. All of my experience, all of my practices. So if that's happening for me, and I'm on sort of the cutting edge of managing my heart, body, mind, and spirit, how is it for normal folks? How is it for people who are just you know in a job and trying to trying to survive? So I think it's very important. Um, uh, what did you take away from that? Uh, you know, the depression you experienced, like, yeah, did it bring something? You know, I'm, I'm famous for um, reaching out for resources a little late, thinking I got this, because I do have uh, so much experience in this, in this realm. I've been studying human beings and communication and relationship and transformation and healing work for 45 years. So um, it's like, okay, I can do this, uh, but I'm a human being. And, um, and my mentors have to keep reminding me, as long as you've got a body, you've got reactions. And uh, so I had reactions, um, noticed them, uh, did get some support, and um, just realized that sort of worldwide, we need to be willing to ask for support. We need to be willing to share our confusion share our fear, our anxiety, our insecurity, and not be afraid to, to get support, even if it's not the answer, even if it doesn't make you feel better right then, the alternative of isolation and numbing out and disassociation um, is just, that's harsh. I, was, uh, I, I heard a statistic the other day that they had 93,000 deaths due to addiction in the United States in the past 12 months and um, the isolation contributed massively to that um, plus disposable income plus uh, working from home uh, lots and lots of people got in deep trouble and died so it's real it's real and whether 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 your whether your compulsive behavior is food or netflix or whatever um, that stuff has a, a mental and emotional and physical toll that um, it might seem silly for you to reach out for support just because you gained 30 pounds, but that's what you did to make it through. And uh, that's a coping mechanism. That's a survival mechanism. And how do we go from coping and surviving back to some semblance of norm normality? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, you know, what touches me, I, I, I also, <laughs> I also got floored at one point this year and I didn't really see it coming. And um you know, like it was very humbling and I'm still making sense of it. And um, I, what I want to say is like, you're getting support. I think that speaks to me of how there is an immense need for coaches in these times too, you know, that I, maybe there's never been a greater need for coaches who can actually offer support in the way you've been describing. But at the same time, people are scared to spend money. So um, about 11 months ago, I could hear, I could literally hear the door slam on business. And I lost 25% of my customers within about 30, 45 days and had to cobble uh, a business together to make it through the, the, the next year. Um, and so I think people have to have some semblance of an idea about the future in order to want support in the now. And that's been very difficult in the last 10, 12 months. Just in the last six weeks, it's felt like it's opening up, like people are seeing a possibility and it's being more hopeful. Um, but like you said, you know, we're, we're, 
I'm in LA and it came crashing back down and everybody's got to wear masks again. And now we've got a new variant. And so it's easy for people to be like, well, all right, so got to hunker down and hold on to all my resources. Uh, but I think we're, I think we're some years away from becoming normal again. And I don't even know if we're ever going to go back to what we were before, but just having the confidence, having the motivation, allowing ourselves to have a vision and to be working towards it, I think is a, it's a challenge right now. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's like a, well, I, I guess like a, an unvirtuous cycle, you know, that, that, that having a vision working towards it is one of the things that can really lead to that sense of well-being and lift you out of depression. So it's, yeah, it's tough right now for people. And maybe it's a good, maybe this is a good point to ask you if we step back a little bit from now and just, you know, you mentioned you've been in the field for, I think decades, like 40 years or something you said, um, maybe you could just give us a sense of uh, like the work you do, like you, the, you know, you've been coaching for a long time, but who do you, who do you coach and what kind of coaching do you do? Very good. Um, so I've been coaching for uh, 33 years and how I came to it was um, my wife and I were both entrepreneurs and we started to work with young people and because their lives were at stake, uh, we were really clear, okay, we want to get this right. We want to do this with as much velocity as possible to get to the helping part. So we hired consultants and mentors and coaches and um, not all of them were great. Um, some of them were just average and a couple were extraordinary. And after about a year of working with these two extraordinary guys, Tex and Bill, uh, I was like, wow, I want to do that for a living because kids have a, have a cap on kind of what they can do because of school and parents, but adults are just open. So I did a two-year apprenticeship, came out and hung my shingle, and I was uh, just passionate and enthusiastic. It's all I had. <laughs> my coach had trained me, and he'd given me all of his tools. He was open architecture, which was very, very generous, and how I run my business today. Uh, but I, I, I just hung my shingle and called all 74 people in my flip phone when, it was, <laughs> when I only had 74 people in it told them who I was and what I was up to. And they were like, yeah, we know. And I was like, no, 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 this is my, my living. And got four referrals that I worked into 24 customers my first year and then 33 the second. And didn't realize that most coaches get, you know, three, five or seven in their first year. Um, and maybe that again in their second. So I was just, I hit the ground running. Um, I have a gift for it. I'm, I'm, um, I'm very talented at, at it. And my super dysfunctional childhood, um, taught me a lot about the complications of uh, human beings. And so I was able to turn all of that chaos and gobbledygook and, and coping and surviving into, oh, I can actually help people, make a difference with people, support people. Pretty quickly, it was international, which was um, fun and interesting, working with customers in different countries. And it also um, pretty quickly, uh, entrepreneurs and executives sort of became a focus because the, the intelligence is high, um, the, the, the emotional intelligence can be high, and then there's a frustration. How come I'm quote unquote successful? I have the trappings of success, but I don't feel successful inside, or I'm working too much, or my marriage is breaking down, or my kids and I don't get along. Like what, what's going on? How, where, where did these 30 pounds come? You know, so there, there are these problems that whatever their success strategy was, they can't use that on their problems and they've tried for some time. And so 
I started to, to really study and, and um, become an expert at sort of who people are being, how people are being, what motivates us, what gives us confidence. Um, how do you take a smart person who doesn't have all the pieces fitting together and show them how to fit those things together? How do you alter how people communicate, how people listen, how people process their thoughts, process their feelings? And uh, it's been a fascinating journey. Uh, so I, I started doing transformational work in the very beginning. And so I did a lot of sort of transformational coaching, ontological, phenomenological, which is who are we and, and, and what's our perception of reality. And then about 10 years ago, started to add in um, emotional intelligence and, you know, how do we heal that stuff from my chaotic childhood? How do I, how do I let go of, uh, set down, um, integrate those places? And the, the folks that I work with are, you know, powerful people um, and that power jams them up sometimes. So getting them to relax, getting them to recharge and play and calm down instead of always driving every moment of every day, um, that's the beginning. And then showing them how to sort of knit all these disparate pieces back together in a way that's fun and satisfying and powerful. And um, these are, you know, smart people and there's some tough conversations but um i love what i do i would do it for free i get very well paid for it and i never know who i'm supposed to work with uh so every month there's new conversations and i just had a guy tell me no in a not very nice way uh, and um, and that's how some conversations go and i've got a conversation coming up friday that's a very warm introduction and people are excited to have the conversation and move forward so i never know how it's going to go but I'm, I'm happy to be talking to people. And if it's a match, great. And if it's not, that's okay too. And uh, so my, my, my daily challenge is to say the thing, you know, see the thing, say the thing, whether, they, mm -hmm. whether people like it or not. And so in, in, in that case, I've got to be in great shape. I've got to be just in really great shape, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, so that I can do that work and then stop it at five. I work a four-day week, so I, I'm nine to five. And I've got about 26 customers and, you know, I'm not carrying those people into my weekend. Uh, and uh, so do good work, but not look to them for my self-esteem or self-worth. And um, yeah, it's been, it's been delightful. It continues to be delightful. I've got a, a next evolution of my business that I'm on the verge of, but it's, uh, it's kicking my butt. Hmm. There's a lot in what you just said I want to ask you about, so I'll try and remember <laughs> them all. Uh, but Sorry. The, yeah, the, I guess the one thing I want to pick up just before I forget is you said, see the thing, say the thing. And I'm just mm. curious, uh, you know, and you said you need to be prepared in, a, in order to be able to do that properly. What, what do you mean by that? See the thing, say the thing. I think human beings have an innate ability to intuit or, or tune into what's really going on with another person and how perhaps they have a blind spot or there's something they don't know, but there's in the conversation, it's like, oh, there it is. And if you're with your friends or your family, it's a challenging thing to do. And I'm not saying you should do it. Uh, but as a coach, my job is whatever's in the way of whatever they say they're committed to point to that thing. And it's an act of courage sometimes because it's a, 
they don't they don't want to talk about it or they don't want to see it or they don't see it it's a blind spot for them so being um, having a really solid foundation upon which to stand loving people and having compassion for them and giving them a choice like they don't have to work with me they don't have to see the thing they don't have to take action on the thing but just being reflective just just being willing to go oh there it is um and i think that a lot of us are in conversations and we see it and we just don't feel it's appropriate or we don't have the courage or well if i say that thing to them then they're going to say something to me and i don't want that so there's kind of a polite uh situation so it's um you know for women their intuition is just like something's up two and two is not four right now um and for men you know there, there's we have the ability to develop that but uh think of grow rich napoleon hill he, he talked about a mastermind uh, a third mind in a in a conversation and so it really feels like when i'm in the flow I sort of disappear and things are getting said, things are getting pointed to. And uh, that's, a, that's a fun state to be in, but it's an ego check and it's a, it's a kind of a, uh, an effortless experience. So it's tough to add, you know, when, how much do you charge for that? <laughs> that? That didn't cost me anything, let's charge you something. So there's all these sort of complications to preparing yourself and being yourself and reflecting um, back to the other person in a committed conversation. Like it, it has to be the person is committed and so are you. And then you have the conversation and oh, there it is. So that's that's what I mean by see and say. Yeah. I think this is really important for people listening, the thing you're talking about. And I, I'm just really appreciating how many years of expertise you've got. And I'd love to drill down on this. And you know, you said like, oh, it's like an effortless place I get into. I hear that a lot with master coaches, you know, that mm -hmm. that's, a, you know, it's like, I think with beginning coaches, there's always this, you know, that you're, you're trying to be a coach, you're trying to do a good job. And I can understand that, but it seems like the real mastery comes on when that just disappears and there's like an attunement to what's actually emerging in the moment. And so what what's that like for you? Like, how, how do you start to see the thing? Like, you know, um, we, we could even bring up an example if you feel like sharing one, but, you know, I, I think this is where your, your experience could really benefit people. It's like, how do you start to perceive that thing in the moment? Well, the first thing is that um, it's in us already. And so it's not something that's out there that you have to go find. It's in us already. And so it's more of a revealing, uh, but it is very powerful. And so it's an ego stroke. Um, uh, it can, it can, you know, fire up your identity, uh, piece if you're not careful. So the, the biggest thing is we all know to go to the gym. If we want to get fit. You go to the gym or you pick a form of exercise that's fun for you. And you go do that every day and have a rest day and eat some good food. Not too much. Get some sleep, drink some water, de-stress on purpose. We all know what to do, but the practice of doing it it's really something and so you wouldn't you know if i gave you a choice between living in a tent or living in a house my hope is that you would choose the house because it's more solid than a tent um, it's more temperature controlled than a tent and it's going to give you a sense of safety and security and confidence and that's to me what my well-being practices do and so 
I'm um, paying attention to food, water, sleep, stress, and exercise every day. Uh, I'm cleaning my environment um, every day or two. You know, I'm, I'm really looking for excellence around me so that I'm not doing this over the top of, well, that's not handled, so too bad. Nobody, nobody's gonna know, so too bad for them because that's gonna feed my ego. If I can get away with not taking care of myself, not leading an integrated life, not living what I'm talking about, two things are gonna happen. My ego is gonna be like, yeah, look at us. It's gonna be very exciting and scary. So I'm not gonna get a bunch of adrenaline and cortisol. And then I'm gonna be afraid that somebody's gonna ask me about it. So I sh really should turn and handle it, but I don't necessarily because I'm scared to make a sale and scared to market and scared to coach. So it's just like, I got enough fear without taking on leading an integrated life. And I think that's the trap for a lot of coaches is they're doing the best they can, but they know if somebody followed them around for a day or two, they wouldn't hire them. Mm. I think it's true. I think it's true of most coaches because I ask coaches, hey, how many days can I follow you around before I start to see the chinks in your armor? Uh, day, two, three. And I'm not saying be perfect, but I am saying apply the stuff that you're teaching others to yourself. You don't mm. have to get it right. You don't have to be performing at an even super high level. You just have to be in the process of learning. And I want to be clear that it's not easy. You know, we, we started with effortless, but if you practice, you can get to effortless. Um, <laughs> I hired a personal trainer about 10 years ago. And after the first year, I was feeling pretty good about myself. And I turned to him and I said, how am I doing? And he said, well, you're complaining less. And so I thought, okay, well, I'm not doing as good as I thought I was. So let's keep going. At the end of two years, I was like, okay, I got this. I'm going to show up six days a week. It's a part of my lifestyle. It's just like getting out of bed and having breakfast. And I've been doing that. And every year past then, I'm in the best shape of my life. I'm 60 and I am in the best shape of my life. I feel good about that. Um, I think the vitality comes across. And, um, and I want to encourage people to get in the best shape of their life. Because all of our life comes through this physical form. And so a lot of the people that I work with, are when I start with them, they're out of shape because they've been enduring some parts of their life. And I notice when people endure parts of their life, they do entitlement in other parts. And so if I'm suffering this, I'm gonna get two plates of fettuccine Alfredo, right? I deserve this, right? It's gonna make me feel better, but it's such short-term thinking. And so how do, you, how do you create a life where you're not suffering anything, you're not enduring anything, and you're also managing your appetites? Because those appetites to numb out and deal with what you're suffering, they will consume you over time because it damages your confidence. It damages your self-worth. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so I think this is a, a big thing you're saying now um, that, that actually coaches need to be doing that, that work, you know, yes, looking after the, the body mind, you know, in all the different ways we can do that so that there's this, I'm just reflecting back what I'm hearing. Um, so feel free to correct me um, that, you know, we start to develop that kind of confidence, which is not, not like a manufactured confidence, but it's the confidence through that, you know, that continuous practice and uh, walking the talk in a sense. And that begins to show through our very being. And then we can show up with that being to our clients and, you know, we're not bullshitting then. We're not like right. saying one thing to our clients and then going off and doing something else. But we're, you know, there's a kind of transmission of the truth of our practice and, and commitment. 
And is that, am I getting that That's right? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And we've seen this in movies where something will be happening with a character and someone will say, I'll have whatever she's having, right? And that's what people hired me for in the very beginning was I was excited. I was passionate. I was enthusiastic about what was possible for them. And they're like, he's more excited about my life than I am. I'm, I want to get some of that. <laughs> so, and again, it, it, like you said, it was, it was authentic. Um, I was really excited. I had this new insight to, wow, I've created something in my life with a coach. That means I can create something in your life with a coach. And the only question is, do you want me to be your coach? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, do, do you then find that that if I come back to that idea you said about the effortlessness and the see, seeing what you see and then saying what you see, I can imagine that all of that allows you to then be with your client in a way that that um, frees you up, you know, into the effortless place. And then you, you're perceiving them in a clearer way and you're able to be perhaps more honest and direct and compassionate with naming what you see in them that's right and you, you asked for a, an example and i can give you that um i got a call from a client and he was standing in his garage and it was uh very late at night and he said my wife just kicked me out she's got our you know one-year-old baby in her arms and she is pissed and i'm in the garage i'm in the apartment in the garage what do i do so we talked for a bit and we kind of got at you know what had gotten kicked out what what led to the upset and and I got this thought, um, and the thought was, ask him about hot and nasty. Now, I don't put those two words together. I don't have that conversation, either one of those conversations with my client, but in general. Uh, but it came in, and I, I ignored it. Like, you know, I'm not going to do that. He's not in a great place. A little bit later, it came in again, ask him about hot and nasty. And now I'm a little bit upset. I'm just like, look, I'm, this guy's upset. He's not in a great place. I'm not going to ask him about hot and nasty. Push it away again. Comes in a third time. All right. So I ask him, hey, what if hot and nasty shows up? And he knew exactly what I was talking about and who I was talking about. I didn't know who I was talking about. But he said, if hot and nasty shows up, I'm going to ask her to honor my marriage, to not take action on my sort of depleted state. And, um, and if my marriage doesn't work out, then we can get together. I was like, okay, whatever. Within 24 hours, he called me, left a message on my answering machine, and he said, hot, nasty showed up, and she was so hot and so nasty, and I'm so glad we had that conversation so I could say to her, please leave me alone. Please let me work on my marriage, um, because if I hadn't had that, I mean, she was there, and I was there, and my wife's pissed off and kicked me out. Why wouldn't I, right? So that's an example of the see and say where I don't know why. I'm seeing it or why I'm saying it, but I don't have to know because I'm sitting with someone. They are in a particular state. They have a particular goal. And out of our conversation, something comes up to reflect back to them. And I do. That doesn't always go well, by the way. Right? So I can see and say something that's uncomfortable for them. But my coach trained me, look, they're not hiring you to be their friend. They're hiring you to say the thing. So say the thing, whether it's a prospect call you know, talk to them like you're never going to talk to them again, because that 100%, that authenticity, that, that laser, you know, there it is. Um, that's the difference between them hiring you and not. And so um, you will get people who don't like it. But if you build a career on authenticity, on, on your connection to the divine, um, that's infinite. You can do that for the rest of your life. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And what do you think is happening there in that moment where you're hearing that phrase, like, hot and nasty 
which you know yeah you might be like okay whatever that what's that weird i don't know okay but what's going on there oh that's good to that, that moves me to tears um i don't actually know i've got some suspicions i don't actually know uh my experience is that there's a future that wants to happen and that future has a flow state to it that if we can let go of the needing to be in control or needing to be out of control, that if we can just connect with that and allow it to guide us, to show us to, I'm getting pretty woo-woo here. I have not had this conversation. It's no, pretty cool. Not for me at all. Not for <laughs> okay. me at all. Yeah. If, we can, if we can allow that flow state to inform us of who to talk to and who not to talk to, what to say and not to say, what actions to take and not to take, um, the thing that wants to happen will happen. Now, I get to set an intention as a human being. Like, I have an intention to grow my, my business to the next level at the end of a pandemic or the middle. I don't know where we are in the pandemic, but that's my goal. And uh, I've been in a year-long conversation with a company. They've said yes. It's gone very slowly, achingly slowly, and we are slowly moving towards I'm going to hit that next level sometime between now and January one. It's something I've never done before. I've never sustained it before. I've made more money than that in a month, but I haven't made it over the months. And it's a level of integrity and professionalism, attention to detail, um, performance that I've never experienced before. And I mean to have that be my new business is operate at that level, period. Like those are my customers. This place uh, with the new customer or in the flow kind of place that... with 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 the new customers but there is a flow happening and so my job is to not push not pull i've set my intention this many by jan one and the challenge for me is i don't know whether that's the right intention or the good intention but what's happening is i'm getting a client about every six weeks and it looks like great as long as i continue on i'll be able to meet that intention and i am not trying to do it. I'm not trying to make it happen. I've done that for many years. I, I'm smart. I can make things happen, but this isn't that. Um, there's a book, The Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer that um, I, I, I read and it literally transformed my life. And I've been surrendering to success for the last two years, which is a very odd experience and an even stranger thing to try to talk about because people are all about, I'm going to do this and I'm going to go and get that. Um, and it's just a very different experience to know who I am, know what my purposeful work is, set an intention that takes care of me and my family, and then allow that to unfold naturally. And the older I get, the more I realize it's all about relationship and it's all about being natural. And that's really easy to say and really hard to do. Because right now I'm in breakdown in some relationships and it is uncomfortable. And I'm working towards resolution I don't know if it'll resolve, uh, but you know there are blocks in the way of me in January one, and the only question is, am I going to move through those blocks and and maintain that flow state? Uh, I, first of all, I don't think this is woo woo for me. It's, for for me, uh, it's not. Yeah, I mean, I get where it gets difficult to talk about it because you know certain like new age um, cultures and communities of you know. Um, use this same similar language and right but i i think for me it's um may, maybe everybody listening can relate to this even if it's been in small 
moments in their life where they, you know, they kind of got into a certain flow with something and everything seemed to be playing out in its natural order. You know, Michael Singer's book is incredible. The, the level, I would be incredibly confronted to surrender in my life in the way he did. You know, at first I'd be like, at first I was like, that's such an amazing thing. I want that, but actually to truly, to truly <laughs> surrender, because my ego wants to be surrendered, you know, um, to get what it wants, you know, but actually to truly let go and allow what life brings is another thing. But having that intention, I think is an, is a powerful aspect. So I, I just think it's, um, I think it's really beautiful that you talk about this and I've, I have heard other people also in coaching on this podcast, particularly the coaches who've done it for a long time and done a lot of deep work, talk about some, something similar where they just, um, they just let go and, and, and things are just coming to them. Yeah. So um, I want to give people an easy access to this um, to just in this moment, grab a pen and write down three things to let go of and three things to take on, put that on a piece of paper, um, fold it up and put it in your pocket and practice taking that out and looking at it every, every day and practice letting go of those three things and taking on those three things because that does battle with the ego. We know what to do. We just don't do it. The other ego is like, ah, those rules don't apply to you. You're fine. You don't need to do all of that, right? Or there's all these conversations, but there are things to let go of and there are things to pick up. I will, um, I will say that um, wine and chocolate and masturbation are all three things that I've let go of. And um, those have been, you know, staples in my life for a long time. My son challenged me. There's a thing called NoFap. I don't know what it's abbreviation for, but it just basically means take your sexual energy and focus it on your purposeful work. Right. And um, I've heard about it over the years uh, under different names, but he challenged me and he's 20 and I'm his father. So I was like, I'm going to take that off. And I took it on and it's extraordinary. Um, again, Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich talks about sexual transmutation. That was back in the 1930s or 40s. I think that book was written. And so that's what I've been doing. And it works. Um, letting go of needing chocolate, letting go of needing wine. And it was only one glass every once in a while, but I just don't need it. And I imagine that by letting those things go, it moves me that much closer to that next level of business that I say that I want. Mm. And is it that then you feel like there's a certain creative energy that's getting caught up in masturbating or drinking wine, eating chocolate, that's then free to be expressed? You know, it's like a kind of, I want to, there's a metaphor or something that comes of like building the energy, you know, that gets the leaks in these places. There we go. There we go. And also, um, if I'm using that stuff, to kind of numb out, to distract, then I'm disconnecting from whatever the energy is. And so that's a challenge for people is to be connected to the infinite energy that's all around us um, for an ongoing length of time. That is challenging um, because I don't get to be judgmental. I don't get to gossip. I don't get to you know, uh, eat what I want, do what I want, not do what I want. I don't get to be lazy. I don't get to procrastinate. I don't get to overwork. I don't get to be a workaholic and work 12 hours and stay up till three o'clock. All those things are disconnectors from that energy. And so this idea that I'm going to give up those behaviors 
those thought processes, those feelings, and allow that connection to happen for longer and longer periods of time. That is that is some life's work right there. Like you can do that work for the rest of your life. And so um, it's infinitely more interesting than all that other gobbledygook, but all that other gobbledygook is our culture, is likely our family, um, is likely our workplace. And so, you know, you feel a bit like an odd duck when you take on being connected and letting go and taking on these practices that most of the world isn't, isn't doing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking about how even our word, you know, becomes more, um, how do I want to say it? Like it's more important the way we use our words, even as we build that energy that, you know, if we start to uh, complain or to gossip that, you know, there's a certain responsibility that I think we take on not to do those things as we, as we develop this, I want to use the word power, not, not like power in the, in the more traditional sense, but you know, a, a kind of a different kind of power that, yeah, a word is, is really a key part of that growth. Yeah. I find myself being much more stoic. Um, and where I used to, you know, talk a lot, it's just, I don't need to say anything. This is fine. It doesn't need my input. <laughs> so, uh, and, and I find myself also being more expressive, like, oh, I, I am going to express myself here. Here's my expression. So it's sort of much more considered about what I say and how I say it and who I say it to. It was interesting. I encountered a, a dangerous situation last night and uh, was getting on an elevator at night. There was a young woman and a man came out of the elevator and he was a homeless person. He was angry and he was beating on the elevator. And this woman was maybe five foot tall young, probably 25. And um, I could see that she was scared. And I, I saw that he was angry and, and mentally off. Um, and so I turned my back to him and faced her and smiled at her like, I got you. Uh, and he thankfully asked a question. And I said, oh, the bathrooms are over there. And he said, where? And I pointed over there. And then we both got on the elevator very quickly. Again, I stood in the elevator. I'm 6'4". He was probably six feet tall. She's pressing the buttons <laughs> 19 times. Like, it's going to go down faster if I press it faster. Uh, and away we went. I mean, police got called and he was escorted out and he was not mentally well. Uh, but there's just situations that you encounter where there's really very little to say and who you're being makes all the difference and your body posture makes all the difference. Um, was talking to some martial arts masters and was talking to them about situ dangerous situations. What would you do? How would you take the guy out? And, and he's like, no, no, I'm not taking anybody out. In fact, I'm, I'm turning my body away for him, from him so he doesn't feel threatened. I'm, I'm de-escalating situations. I was like, oh, wow, because everybody thinks, oh, you get, you get martial arts, you're going to kick some ass. <laughs> right? And uh, no, you actually realize, oh, here's the path to safety and security for me and my family. We'll take that. So I encountered a stranger. She was in a difficult situation, um, and and we both exited that situation. We're like, okay, great. So that's a that's a possible way of being. And what I want to point to there is that life is not a bowl of cherries. You know, life is not going to all work out and be a grease slide for you. That as long as you're looking to evolve, there are new plateaus, new challenges, and um, and there's and there's challenges along the way to to achieve that but they're different than the problems from the past, right? So I have problems in my life 
from my past. And they're less and less and less and less over time. I have challenges in my life because of the future that I've declared, the intention that I have. My relationship to the challenges of the future, excitement, enthusiasm, clarity, sense of humor, my emotions and thoughts around the stuff in the past, shame, uh, embarrassment, anger, frustration, sadness, right? So as a human being, here we are, there's a next moment coming, here it is. And the only question is, who do I wanna be in this moment? What do I wanna be up to in this moment? Um, how am I going to focus my thoughts, my feelings, my body on this moment, as opposed to constantly reacting from or avoiding the past? So that's the possibility for human beings is to be present, to put the past in the past where it belongs, to have a future that inspires them to live an extraordinary life today. And, um, and that to me is what coaching leads to is that kind of life. And, and as we're talking, it's just like, yeah, let's, let's do that as coaches. Let's put the past in the past. Let's do that work. Whether it's coaching or reading a book or going to a workshop or, or attending therapy, let's get our past in the past where it belongs. So it's not running today and the future. Let's do those daily practices, the stretches and the, and the breathing and the yoga or the working out or the roller skating or whatever has your body move. Um, and um, and let's, let's enjoy music. Let's enjoy art. Let's enjoy food. Let's enjoy our work. And let's have a, a future that we're excited about and, and move towards that future. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I really get a sense of, um, that we're that we're like again it's maybe that idea of like we're building the body or the the way of being that can be more oriented to the future and and then um, you know you talked about the future being here now you know in some sense we're attuned to that and we've got the kind of being that can conduct that or be be fully first of all open to that flow and be excited and conduct it rather than numbing out to it or not even being um, available to it, you know, because we're so consumed by the past. And I, I just, I get curious about how, you know, how do you um, go on that journey with your clients, you know, um, in, in a way that maybe builds in the, the flow we were talking about before, you know, because you said like a lot of your clients are high performers and, you know, also that we've, we've said that, yeah, a lot of people are really wanting to make things happen in this world. So how, how, do you, do you and how do you invite your clients into maybe that that journey of like letting go of some of that and moving into that place of more effortless uh, being, which I think was even a, I don't know if I saw that phrase on your website, but it somehow resonates. Yeah. yeah. Well, do you mind if I point to my website? Of course. Yeah, please. I was going to ask you anyway. So, yeah. Right. So if you go to my website, O-N-T-O-C-O, ontico.com, ontoco.com. At the bottom of the first page, there's a there's a thing that says forms. And when you press that button, there's probably 30 forms that are questions and, um, and, and uh, tests and quizzes and just ways to bring awareness. And so you ask me, now, where do we start? We start by seeing how much emotional intelligence do they have? How much can they focus their intellect on revealing things to themselves? Um, how much uh, vision of the future do they have? How much awareness of the past do they have? Uh, uh, how much dysfunction is in the way of them being present and onto the future? And so it's just a series of questions um, and those are all available on my website. Um, and they're, they're, it's open architecture. You're welcome to fill them out and um, they come right to you. So 
<clears throat> in combination with bringing awareness, I'm also working with them on grounding themselves in their well-being because most people don't take great care of themselves and then wonder how come I'm reacting to my feelings, how come I'm having these thoughts. So from a place of well-being, um, you're now managing your thoughts, you're noticing and managing your feelings, you're noticing and managing your body, you're not at the effect of it. And from there now, we've got an integrated place to come from to move toward that vision of the future. And it unfolds. There, is, there, are, there are resources that show up, there are opportunities that show up, conversations that show up, relationships that show up that wouldn't have shown up from a disconnected place. They would have missed them or they would have just, uh, they, would, they wouldn't have even seen that they, they were possible. So there's just a, there's an alignment that happens and I'm getting woo woo again, but you know, I just, I just spent a, a bunch of money on my car. I have an older car and I just spent a bunch of money getting it, you know, ready to go for the next, let's hope it's 20,000 miles. Right. And I spent that money to reintegrate things so that it operates well together. And the funny thing was that Two months ago, I asked uh, my master mechanic, hey, should I do this? And he said, ah, oh, we can wait on that. And I'm having a random conversation with another mechanic. And he said, hey, when that warning light comes on that that thing's wrong, it's too late. That's $2,000. And I was like, we should handle that now. <laughs> right? So I'm listening for messages. Um, I'm putting out messages, but I'm responding to, all right, I have a goal. I have an intention. Um, how am I going to get to that intention? And I do this thing where I drive on the weekends. Um, I just take off and I'll drive a thousand miles. Um, I love music. I love photography. I love exploration. I love history. And this darn pandemic has gotten away of all of that. So I just go drive and I do it every weekend. I put, I think, 7,000 miles on my car in the last four months since I started doing it. Um, but that's, that's miles, right? And so there's things that are breaking down as I'm driving. Um, and so, you know, I got 7,000 miles out of my last set of tires. I forgot to break them in, by the way, I'll do that this time, but that's pretty high wear. And if I'm going to have that high wear and I don't want to get stranded, I've got to pay attention to making sure that things are taken care of and integrated. And we can do that same thing as a human being. How am I doing emotionally? How am I doing mentally? How am I doing physically? How's my play? How's my relaxation? How recharged am I when I get ready to start my week? How's my sleep hygiene? How's my food hygiene? Um, am I treating myself or am I overindulging myself? Am I calming myself down on purpose? Do I, do I breathe fully and deeply? Am I exercising too much? Am I exercising not enough? Like what are the things that I can adjust? And I'm gonna keep adjusting them as I go along, just like I'm keeping an eye on the tire pressure in my car. So I can expect high performance because I love my car. It's 500 horsepower and I love having 500 horsepower on tap. I don't use it often, but it's just a blast to have that much power that does like you were talking about. And um, it's an older car, but it's very solid. It makes me feel really secure and I enjoy the heck out of it. That's, that's great. I, and it, what makes me want to ask you about a couple of things, like one is um, visioning and the other is emotional integration um, maybe, maybe we can talk about visioning first and do, what kind of, um, ways do you invite your client into envisioning? I'm just curious how you do that basically. Sure. Um, well, the first thing is that 
most visions are going to try to overcompensate or overcome the past. Right. I'm going to be great and I'm going to make a million dollars. Where's that coming from? Well, my father wasn't great and he made a million dollars. So I'm going to show him or I'm going to get off the grid. I'm not going to be attached to anyone or anything. And I'm going to live in the forest and not, not need anything. I'm like, all right, well, that sounds okay, but where's that coming from? I feel a reaction in there, like you're, you're upset about something, right? And so, again, calming the system down so that I can actually create a vision that inspires me and others, and that doesn't have anything to do with overcoming or compensating for the past, that's the first step, and that's a difficult step, because you'll create a vision and be like, nope, create another vision, nope. So you might have to go through three, four, five, six iterations of a vision to actually get to something that is real and is now and isn't about the past and really does excite you. And then the very next thing that happens is that excitement turns into fear because you're like, who am I to have that future? Who am I to have that dream, right? Our inner critic wants to just shut it down right away because we have a survival mechanism that wants us to stay inside of our comfort zone, even though most of our dreams are outside of that comfort zone. It's really well practiced at keeping us safe and warm and scared or overactive or whatever it does inside that comfort zone. And so consciously saying, I'm going to be uncomfortable on purpose and I'm going to go for and achieve that dream. That's where it starts. And how, um, how, how long do you spend with them around their vision you know do do you have them like write it down and then come to you and tell you and um you know you might then say okay yeah it that that sounds like it's really influenced by your childhood or your past i can sense there's a reaction in it so you're kind of guiding them into a place where like i wonder what you might even what questions you might say like is it is you saying like you know really feel what what's like the true passion you're feeling or you know yeah, I wonder how you help them really sure. tune into that authentic sure. vision. So most of us came from a dysfunctional family. And so we got all kinds of mixed messages about our self-worth, about the world, about time and money and love and sex. And we're just got all this gobbledygook, right? And so there's all that sort of people-pleasing, um, authority figure stuff that gets triggered when we're going to say who we are and what we're up to and where we're going right? And so that first pass at it um, is usually reacting to all that stuff and trying to get it right and perfect, or I don't care about them or whatever it is. And so I'm going to validate the first pass. First of all, I'm going to encourage them to take the action. That may take two weeks or a month. And every week they're coming back, like, yeah, I didn't do that. And they're waiting for some judgment or assessment, which I don't have any. It's just like, okay, great. Let's take it on again this week. I'm very light touch about powerful things, because I know what it takes. And me being heavy and commanding and you have to make me a promise, I'm going to push them through something. I don't want to push them through something. So light touch, light touch, light touch. And they come up with something. And I'm like, yay, I'm going to celebrate whatever they came up with. I've got a line. I like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Terrific. Way to go. Let's actually, while we're talking, have you go make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and experience that right now. Let's take action now and have the experience now because talking about it is not the same as doing it and not the same as experiencing it. So I want people to be in action now. I want people to experience things now. And from, they came up with something. Now we've got something to work with. 
and I don't want to author it. I want to edit it with them. So I want them to do the lion's share of the work in between our sessions. I meet with people once a week. So, hey, here's a good start. Book some time in your calendar. Do you want me to hold you accountable for that now? Yes, great. So Thursday, what time? Good. Three o'clock to five o'clock. Terrific. Keep that appointment with yourself. Show up. Get yourself some milk and cookies afterwards to reward yourself for doing it. I'll see you in a week. And then we just keep doing that week in and week out over time. For a lot of coaches, it's like, no, I have to hit the home run every time. I have to be brilliant every time. They have to have some major breakthrough every time. And it's not the case. Like when I hire somebody at the gym to get me fit, I know it's going to take months, if not years, to achieve what we're talking about. And so I really encourage coaches, relax. And if they say, I want this in three months, it's like, okay, well, I'll coach you on that. But you've got to be in a massive action to get that. And as soon as they're not in massive action, you've got to readjust their expectations. So realistically, now, what do you see? How much time is it? Oh, we're six months. Great. Let's, let's go for six months. And then you might have to readjust again and again and again to have them achieve what they say they can achieve. But most people overestimate or underestimate. And our job as coaches is to manage that so we don't get trapped with, hey, you said, and here we are, and we didn't do it, so you're fired. Right? So the visioning process, you get lots of resistance. Um, and you move through that resistance and again, grounded in well-being, you're asking them to take action. And I want them to be responsible for the actions they take and the results they produce. So I'm going to prescribe action. I'm going to, I'm going to ask them to take action. And most coaches, again, a lot of coaches are not doing this. They're not in action in their own life. And so they're not asking their customers to take action. We're just having a conversation. You take notes, you decide to take action. That's on you. But I strongly urge you to prescribe actions because you're going to give them more actions than they know how to do. But now we got something to coach on. Because right. if they were fully present, if they were fully committed, they would be able to take those actions. And that's what you're coaching them to be in the future. Right. Uh, so this is great because um, I'm going to, I want to come to that. But first you said something which I think is important. Do you think a lot of coaches get maybe caught up in trying to have that big breakthrough in every session? And then actually that's a distraction from, no, that kind of more diligent step-by-step uh, -step yes. journey towards the, the vision. Yes. The, 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 um, the metaphor that I use here is if you're the 300-pound guy at the gym, that first session is excruciating. You're, you're not having any fun at all. And imagine that you're the trainer and that 300-pound person is your client. That first week sucks. The first six weeks sucks. Like it all sucks. And you've got to be in a good mood and you've got to encourage them and see you next time. That's your job as coach, even though their experience is this sucks. I hate you. I hate this. I hate me. I hate all of this, right? But by showing up and holding their vision for them when they lose sight of it, like, no, we're going to do this. You got this. See you next week. See you next. See you tomorrow. Um, at around the three month part, they're feeling something different. They're having a different view and experience of themselves. And I think it's two to three pounds a week is healthy. So they're going to feel that weight loss before anybody sees it. But then six months later, people are going to see it like, wow, you've dropped some weight. What's six times four? It's 24 pounds, right? It's like, oh, your face looks different. And so it's us as coaches standing for what's possible in the face of their thoughts, feelings, body sensations, people, circumstances, and things, which again is all about having them fire you and go back to being comfortable. Mm. Yeah, so that's our job. Um, do you then, how do you, you know, you said then we've got something to coach on. Do you then find that you're 
you know, somebody said, oh, okay, I'm committed to going out and speaking to these five people. And then, you know, you come back and they, I didn't do it. And so I imagine that's like a breakdown in the commitment. So then you maybe got something where that might be their past, you know, this might be where now there's some integration work needed. Their past is still here and it's actually getting in the way. I wonder how, if, if that's the case, do you go into that, you know, and start to look at maybe there's some conflicts or competing commitments or parts or something? Perhaps, but if I'm standing in the moment that I give them that assignment, where they're like, no more donuts this week. And I'm like, okay, you want to commit to that? Yes, no more donuts. And they come back the next week and I said, how much, how did the no more donuts go? And they're like, I had three. I'm like, okay, how'd that feel? What'd you think? What, what were the triggers? But as a coach, I know that going from I eat donuts every day to no more donuts, that's, a, that's too radical, right? I know they're going to fail at that. My job is to not interrupt their process. That's my job. I can make them not eat donuts. I've, I've done making coaching before. <laughs> But as soon as I stop making them do stuff, they go back to what they were doing before I was there. So I want to come with a lot of compassion. I want to come with a lot of understanding. And I want to make sure that they're not making promises to me that they can't keep. Because that feels good to me as a coach, if I'm a beginning coach, like, oh, I got a promise from them. And now I can coach them on they're out of integrity and they're a liar and <laughs> like all that stuff. But that so doesn't get at the context of their life, the fabric of their life hey, is it normal for you to make promises you can't keep? And um, what promise do you want to make this week? Oh, three. I don't, make, I don't want to eat any donuts again. I'm like, yeah, it's not going to happen. How about if you only eat two? So I'm going to lower the gradient on their perfectionist you know, view of themselves that they got from their past and they're trying to achieve in their future, which keeps them from being present in the moment. Right. So lots of compassion. I don't treat the actions as homework. People um, relate to the actions typically one of two ways, either they're trying to get it right and perfect to get my approval, which is a waste of time, or they put it off to the last minute and cram, which is what I used to do in school. And, uh, and that doesn't, that's not effective either. I'm hoping that they're going to take some actions each day and I'm encouraging them to do that. But again, very light touch with them. Like these are suggestions. This is like me being a trainer in the gym and giving you some exercises at 300 pounds, you're probably not going to do any of these exercises to start, but I'm going to give them to you every week as anyway. So as you feel stronger, you're like, well, maybe I will do an exercise. And then you do, and you feel great because I said it, but you did it. And I kept saying it, even in the face of, I'm not going to do that. Why do you give those to me every week? I'm not doing it. And I kept standing for what was possible. And then you took the action. And that's really what I'm looking for is for the actions to imbue them with confidence and motivation and, and point them in the direction that they want to go. So you're, you're not basically outsourcing their own authority to you, you know, that, yeah, you said like, well, the problem with that is when you, when you're not around, suddenly they go back to not doing this stuff. And then um, is it, do you think that the change happens for them incrementally over time? So like, it really by, does. yeah, like it's, it's like by taking that consistent action, they, that's where the change is coming from. I'm just curious if you sometimes feel like, oh no, there's like a, you know, a piece we might need to do here where, you know, for example, this, this young part that wants to please keep showing up and we might need to meet that part a little bit. And then once that feels seen, then we can keep walking forward. Like, yeah, that's absolutely right. And one of the things that I love about this career is that it's completely creative that um, you can be a, a relationship coach. You can be a, a, a business coach. Like, 
and, and your style is your style. And you will find that you meet people who are a match for your style. And those people are your customers. Mm. And the bizarre thing is that you're going to be teaching them something that you need to learn to be who you need to be next in your business. So it's one of the few places that I know where you get paid to be in training. And starting coaches here in the United States are uh, you know, $600 a month, $150 a session. That's serious money. And so you know, as long as you're practicing what it is that you're teaching, what it is that you're coaching, that has integrity for you to ask for that fee and go get those customers to then coach and discover who are they next and who are you next. And you can build a career on that. I've done it for 33 years. Somebody they asked me the other day, uh, if you could go back to any day in your life, which one would it be? And I was like, what are you talking about? This is the best day of my life. Like, I'm, there's nothing to go back to. This is the best day. This is the best me of my entire life. And lots of people are like, oh, that day, <laughs> high school graduation or when I got married or whatever it is. And not saying that you can't have a heightened day, but as a coach, to me, um, every day is an opportunity. Every day is access to power, like you said, my personal power. And um, every day is an adventure. Mm. That's, that's, yeah. that's my challenge to myself as a coach. Right. And, and maybe that we should watch out if we're not feeling being in sync with that that unfolding journey then there's an invitation for us as a coach to consider maybe who we're coaching or like what's our next evolution that's needed in order to bring back that sense of being like i, I want to say in the zone i don't know if that's the sure, right word sure but, no that's fine that's good yeah yeah you're not you're not always there um and um and maybe you shouldn't even be on the phone you know trying to market to people and there have been days where I've had to cancel my coaching sessions because I just, I got my world rocked by something and I was not present and I sell presents for a living. So I'm not going to be present. Let's reschedule for later this week. But the times that I'm not feeling great, um, I'm organizing something or I'm cleaning something or I can take a break. You know, if I, if I need to, I can just go take a break, but then I'm bringing myself back to um, my business. And uh, I keep my business very simple. I don't want to spend hours and hours and hours on admin. So mostly I'm with people. So I'm doing my actions to them on the call and sending them an email shortly after the call. Um, but my whole goal is to get paid to be with people and to make a profound difference in their life. So that's my focus every week. I, and I did it, I compacted my schedule. I worked a three day week for 10 years. So I really encourage coaches, do not work 12 hours a day. Do not work five, six, seven days a week. That is, it's not effective in the work world and don't do that as a coach. Because if I'm in the work world and you're working as hard as I am, why am I gonna hire you? What do you have to show me, right? So I challenge coaches, compact your week into four days and then even three um, and, um, and have a great life outside of that. Because if hard work was the answer, everybody who's working hard would be successful and they're not. It's why people are hiring you is because they've worked hard. They've got the trappings of success, but they don't feel it. They're not having fun. They're not satisfied. They're not being truly powerful. And so if you're doing that, even though you're making way less money than them, you have access to something that they don't have access to. Now you've got integrity and relationship and you can communicate that and then they can actually get it themselves. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's a, that's a really beautiful message. I think that's, it kind of speaks to me about a strong message from this whole conversation about, yeah, the integrity we, we can develop that personal power if we, if we do the practice, if we take care of ourselves and uh, do the deep work and that we can actually sit in front of our clients and embody that, you know, um, sort of difference that makes. And 
I guess as we move towards the end of our conversation, is there is there anything that we didn't share, you know, that we didn't talk about that you think is important to mention, or even maybe uh, like a call to to coaches out there, or you know, maybe particularly new coaches, but any coach, like what would be the call you make? And maybe that's bad interviewing. I just put out a few different questions, oh, but that's good. See where that's you good, go with good. it. Yeah, yeah. So first of all, a couple of a couple of resources. Um, the Prosperous Coach is an extraordinary book. Buy that, read that, read that every year or two. Get Clients Now by C.J. Hayden is a 28-day program that customizes um, your marketing to your personality. I love that book. I love that program. Um, the Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer that we talked about. An older book called The Last Word on Power by Tracy Goss, G-O-S-S. It's a cornerstone book in coaching. Um, it'll take you years to, to master the concepts in there. It's all about executive reinvention, which is super cool. And um, for you as a coach, knowing these concepts, being able to do transformational work, experience transformation in your own life, and not just be doing change, but um, be able to have a breakthrough, be able to create a breakthrough through language. And then uh, two more, and I'll stop talking about books. One is a, an old book in, from like the early 1900s called The Science of Success by Wallace Waddles, W-A-T-T-L-E-S. Just a great book. Um, the stuff about nutrition is pretty antiquated, doesn't really make sense, but he really, he was onto some stuff uh, over a hundred years ago that we're still trying to master today. And then the Bible for success, as far as I'm concerned, is um, Thinking Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. He studied 200 of the most successful people on the planet for 20 years. He figured out some really core stuff and he said, it's too simple. So he hid it in this book. It's on every page. And um, I had to read that book 10, 10 times before I realized what the secret was. And I Can remember- you tell us now? <laughs> uh, no, like... no you, you, you as a human being need to experience the adventure, the discovery of the secret for yourself. Wonderful. Me, right? tell, yeah. me telling you the secret has no power. And literally, I remember time number eight, Turn the last page, like missed it again. Time number nine, turn the last page, missed it again. And time number 10, I was like, I got it. I got it. (laughs) (laughs) Just a great book, um, written sort of old uh, language. So you kind of muddle through the old language, but great stories, great examples, and very fundamental practices that if you'll take them on and master them, you'll be having breakthroughs as a coach. Uh, So read, study, um, get good at um, coaching because it's, it's not new. It's been around for 40 years. And then there was mentoring and leadership training before that. So um, use the resources that are out there. Um, and then I would say, you know, take on the practices of discovering ontology, um, discovering uh, phenomenology, and, and looking at doing some transformational work yourself. There's four or five different companies that do it. Um, but um, Google transformation, transformational technology, large group transformational experiences. They're out there, strongly recommend them. Not perfect, but they give you access to something that just regular um, coaching won't. Um, Have a spiritual practice or a way that you connect with nature. We came from nature. We're natural beings occurring in a natural world. Have that connection, whether it's spiritual or or nature, um, just have that because it really informs you. Um, Do some healing work on yourself. Uh, that family of origin stuff, that inner critic, that wounded inner child, like get working on that stuff because um, anything else is just, you're trying to do something over the top of an old wound and it's, it's not great. 
Um, and then really take on your well-being. Uh, you know, get to next level of well-being for yourself and consider that your well-being, being excellent, is a part of who you are as a coach and, um, and really kind of wear that as a badge of honor. Like I take extraordinary care of myself and it shows physically, mentally, emotionally. I'm vibrating. I'm, I'm exuding uh, a vitality that people can sense. I think uh, it's a beautiful set of uh, invitations uh, to to do and to check out. I um, really appreciate it. Actually, I've written down especially a few of those books. Yeah. Um, well, Hans, I, well, where can we find out more about your work as well? That's important. Right. So um, ontico.genbook.com is um, a place to uh, to schedule a call with me if you're interested in um, having a conversation about engaging. Um, I do love, uh, working with coaches, uh, and, um, and executives and people in transition and entrepreneurs. So if you're looking for master level of work, happy to have a conversation with you. So ontico.genbook, G-E-N-B-O-O-K.com. You can see about 80 testimonials where people are talking about the effect that it, that the work that's, has had. I think it's fun to read those just to get a sense because people are very authentic in there. Mm. And then ontico.com has sort of an explanation of what I do and how I do it, as well as all of those forms, which you're welcome to utilize. And um, I do a Facebook live um, every week or two. Um, it's usually about something that's pointing in my life. Uh, so if you want to friend me on Facebook, I'm Hans Phillips, H-A-N-S-P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S. And other than that, not a big media, social media guy. Um, my son, who's 20, is trying to get me to do more. And I'm hiring a new assistant and she's all about it. So, uh, and my old assistant tried to get me to do more. So I'm working on it, but I'm 60 and it's like, ah, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Thanks well, for having me. I really appreciate the conversation. Um, it's been delightful sharing time with you. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I want to extend that to you too, Hans. I really, really appreciate uh, the, your, your authenticity and sincerity and the, um, expertise you know that you, you you brought in I think it I've thoroughly enjoyed hearing what you're sharing and I'm sure everyone else will as well so thank you thank you it's my pleasure and my honor thanks for listening to the podcast I just want to take one minute to tell you about our live online coach training program which is now enrolling called the power of embodied transformation it's really about how do you how do you wield the power of embodied change Thinking alone won't work. Thinking our way towards transformation is not enough. So much of what we've become, our habits and tendencies, our blind spots, patterns of reactivity, live in the very tissues of our body. So in any transformational work, we need to descend beneath the mind, however brilliant the mind is, so we can access this transformational arena. That's what this program is going to teach you how to do. It'll teach you how to take your clients on a somatic journey of transformation through an arc of transformation from how do you help your clients create embodied commitments? How do you help them to recognize these embodied patterns that are living them in a compassionate way? How can you help them begin to open up their embodied life so that they can begin to embody new ways of being that help them thrive in what is most important to them? And also we've got this extra module in there this year, which is about how do you support your clients who are coming to you and they're dysregulated? The pandemic's on. There's a lot of things going on in the world. People are 
dysregulated. Some clients are coming in displaying signs of trauma. It behooves us to become sensitive, trauma sensitive in these times. So what kinds of interventions can you make? How can you be as a coach that can help your clients in those moments? There's a lot in there in this program. We've got an incredible faculty. We have people like Richard Strozzi Heckler, the grandfather, the founder of the somatic coaching lineage, Amanda Blake, a brilliant teacher who can teach about embodiment and the neuroscience elements of it. We've got David Trelevin, author of Trauma Sensitive Mindfulness, Stacey Haynes, an alter star master somatic coach from the Strozzi Institute, Deb Darner, who is an incredible teacher of how do we apply polyvagal theory in the work we do with our clients. And Dan Siegel will be teaching. He's a real pioneer, founding father of this field of interpersonal neurobiology. So just a few more things I want to say. What do you get when you sign up? Well, you enter into this trajectory. There's 18 live workshops, 90 minutes long each, and they are very interactive and experiential. The teacher's going to be there doing coaching demos, answering questions for you, taking you through exercises. You'll get four integration sessions where you really practice what you're being taught. Everything is downloadable and transcribed so you can really immerse yourself in the learning and there are six bonus recordings pre-recorded featuring people like Peter Levine, Rick Hansen, Wendy Palmer, Stephen Porges, Bessel van der Kolk and Elizabeth Stanley. So how can you sign up? How can you find out more about it? Well you want to head to coachesrising.com forward slash power of embodied transformation. That's coachesrising.com forward slash power of embodied transformation. Enrollment is open now and the program runs from the 4th of March this year to June this year. It's 2022. Just a, a heads up again, if you're not on our mailing list and you want to stay in the loop about other things we create, then head to coachesrising.com. Put your name in the sign up box there. You'll also find some of our other offerings, our online trainings for coaches there. And just want to end by wishing you well and I'll see you again next time. Mm-hmm.